Hey everyone, welcome to Faithbrook Church. I hope you had an opportunity to catch a little glimpse of that sunshine this week. My name is Mike and I serve as a Connections Pastor. And if you are a guest with us, I especially wanna welcome you and thank you for joining in. For those of you who are on site, I wanna encourage you to reach in the seat back in front of you and grab a blue connection card. And if you would fill that out and drop it off in one of the giving boxes as you leave, that would be great. You can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and submit a connection card there as well. For every connection card that we receive, we donate $5 to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a small way to make a big impact in our community. In addition, I would love the opportunity to follow up with you and thank you for joining in this weekend. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, summer is just around the corner. In fact, we can almost taste it. As we know here in Minnesota, summers are magical as is an opportunity to get away for rest, relaxation with our friends and family. And that is why here at Faithbrook, we're gonna have a few connection events so that you can connect with others in the community. In fact, you're gonna to wanna to mark your calendar for Tuesday, May 17th, as our first event will be called Bikes and Barbecue. This is an opportunity to eat some yummy barbecue food and you guessed it, ride our bikes to exercise that food off. For older kids and adults, we're gonna be riding our bikes through Elm Creek. And for the younger kids, we'll have some bike paths and some fun activities for them as well. In addition, all the proceeds from this event will go to raising funds for our student ministries to raise money for their extracurricular events, such as summer camps. So I look forward to hanging out with you and your family on Tuesday, May 17th. Today, we are starting off a brand new series called Under the Surface. So let's welcome to the platform our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. If you have kids or grandkids, you might know about the popular movie that's out there, Encanto. It's the real rage. All the kids are watching it. And what's really resonating in this movie is a song in it. It's called Surface pressure. And uh, this song is sung by the main character's sister. And as she's singing about the surface pressure, she's really kind of confessing and revealing that on, on the outside, she seems to be really strong, have it all together. But underneath the surface, she's really carrying a load and she gets tired. And there's things churning away in her and her hidden life uh, that she has to deal with. Have you ever been there before? Well, we weren't going to get there in just a minute, but I first want to welcome you to Faithbrook. Hey, it's great to see you all today. I noticed that you didn't get blown away by the wind coming in, so good for you. I've been able to meet some of you, and what's really encouraging to me is when people introduce someone that they invited, and that's so uh, encouraging when we invite other people, because see, a lot of times... We have a lot of stuff underneath the surface that we have pressure with. And we're going to be addressing these pressures in the next couple of weeks that's underlying in our lives. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of worry and anxiety, right? Sometimes we feel like this pressure that we have to please people and not disappoint people. Uh, sometimes it's like, man, I got, to, I got to be strong and perform and just really knock it out of the park all the time. Uh, sometimes we're wondering, hey, do I have any worth? Do, do I count in, in life? What, what is my, maybe my identity? So there's where we're kind of going in the, the next couple of weeks on this, this um, series under 
the surface. I, I have a feeling that some of us feel like this, this graphic right here on the outside when people see our lives. Man, we got a smile on our face. We seem to be really put together. But underneath, there is this baggage. There are these weights that we are wrestling with. Now, one of the ones I want to submit to you today, we want to focus on today, uh, kind of a hidden uh, a little uh, undercarriage, and that is guilt and shame. Some people are just always uh, feeling guilty. I don't know, we've, we've disappointed our family or our boss, or we should have done this, or maybe God's not happy with me. Uh, some are like, man, I'm such a lame parent. I, I, I wish I would have been more involved or I was not involved. Uh, sometimes there's times where we, we kind of hurt people. Maybe we piped off. Maybe we did something to somebody. Uh, there might be some situations with some friends or family members that, that we'd rather not see them because really we're kind of uh, uh, embarrassed on how we acted. And we just try to, to stay, stay away. Sometimes it's, it's being embarrassed what we've done before God. I, I know it's really common just kind of maybe stay away from church. Let's uh, stay away from the Bible because every time we get around, you know, the church people, uh, I feel guilty, right? I, I probably did something, you know, I don't know, a couple years ago, went to Las Vegas and you know what happens in Las Vegas and these things I'm just kind of not feeling comfortable with. On the outside, looking great. Underneath, mm, might be dealing with some, some guilt and shame. Well, uh, if it's true, um, welcome uh, to the family, because a lot of times in the Bible, we see people wrestling with guilt and shame. And one of the biggest examples of this was an incident that happened right before um, Easter. It had to do with one of God's uh, favorite of, uh, disciples, uh, following, that's Peter. It happened right at the end of the Lord's Supper. It was his big event with disciples. He says, I'm, I'm going to be leaving you. He had communion. And so after they were wrapping up the dinner, Jesus said, now, I'm going to be betrayed tonight. And you guys don't know this, but you're all going to kind of freak out and leave me. I'm going to be all alone. Well, big mouth Peter, that's what I like to see him. He's, oh, no. Right. In fact, Matthew uh, records this and he says, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never. Oh, no, you can count on me. I'm right with you. And Jesus and all of his sovereignty and wisdom looks right at Peter and says, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Well, Jesus goes off to the Garden of Gethsemane. His heart is heavy. And sure enough, he gets betrayed. And sure enough, he gets hauled down. And he's going to be interrogated. And, and, and it's a scary thing. All these uh, soldiers sh showed up and arrested. And, and they all scattered. Sure enough, they all scattered. Now, and Peter's not sure what to do with himself, right? And, and so, but he was want to be at a distance because maybe he could be arrested. And, and so they haul Jesus down to the, to the outer courts of the facilities there. And the Pharisees are interrogating. And, and, and Peter's on the outside, the scriptures tell us. And there's other people milling around. It's pretty intense, dark, late night. They're warming themselves around this fire with these strangers. And all of a sudden, someone says, hey, hey, you. Are you one of those guys that follow that guy that's over here that's being interrogated? We've heard about him, Jesus, that Nazarene guy. And Matthew writes, Peter's like, oh, not me. No, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Not, no, not, not me at all. Someone else is like, yeah, I, yeah, I think it is. I, I've seen it. You're, you're one of the disciples. And, man, he's getting mad. He, now he's a little cursing a little bit. No, I, no, I don't know him. Not at all. Sitting there warming his hands, right? 
then, then another female girl says, you know, are you, are you, do you follow that Jesus, the Nazarene guy? You're, you're one of his disciples. All of a sudden, he just loses it, man. He, he just comes out and he says, then he began to call down curses. Have you ever lost it like that before, right? And he swore to them, I don't know the man, right? No. Immediately, <clears throat> Matthew records, the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words that Jesus has spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. He thinks, I just did that. The rooster has crowed. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It wrecked him. He was busted. He blew it, and he knew it, and he didn't know what to do with this guilt underneath his surface now. Now, he wasn't the only one who blew it that should and did have a lot of guilt and shame. And his colleague, Judas, who was one of the 12 disciples, right? His greed, his selfishness said, man, I I want some silver. I want some dollars. I'm willing to to point out and, and betray Jesus. And he took the money. And sure enough, in that, that garden, um, setting, he's the one to tell the soldiers that's, that's the guy. And Jesus was hauled off. Now, both these guys, Peter and Judas, hurt someone personally. They had a relationship with Jesus. He was their their rabbi, their leader. They've been uh, traveling together for three years, and they both hurt an individual, but they also hurt God's son, hurt God. You, You talk about double jeopardy. You talk about guilt and shame. And they both were entrapped by their guilt. Now, guilt is a little bit different than shame. Guilt is a feeling that we have wronged somebody or we have wronged God. Now, shame is a deeper form of guilt. In fact, shame is convinced that you are what's wrong. It's not an act. Your whole entire person is wrong. Uh, uh, You're marked. Somehow you're stained. There's there's hopelessness. I'm, I'm a shameful person. But it starts with guilt. And unaddressed guilt turns into baggage. And a lot of times people don't see the baggage, but underneath there's pressure. I'm a loser. I'm guilty. I'm wrong. I I hope God doesn't see me. I don't want to even think about it. And we just kind of manage through life. But underneath there's this pressure of guilt. So what did Peter and Judas do about it? Is there any hope? Is there a path to freedom in any way? Well, let's continue with Peter's story. We jump over to another gospel, uh, chapter 21, the gospel of John, and we see that Peter and the other disciples are now <clears throat> uh, fishing. Jesus is risen. Uh, Peter, in fact, was one of the bold ones that went into the tomb and, and saw that the, the tomb was empty. He eventually saw Jesus, and Jesus appeared to him. And we uh, discovered that last week, that because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Uh, that's the good news. Peter believes that. However, he's walking around with this hidden guilt, right? Uh, he's ashamed. He's embarrassed. What do you do with that? Now, the scholars are not exactly sure why Peter's out there fishing. Some suspect that, man, he, uh, you know, the ministry thing just kind of collapsed, and Jesus is appearing, and, and it's kind of a reset, so he's out there trying to maybe make some money feed his family. Uh, some scholars think, maybe he is so broken. He's so embarrassed. He's like, no way uh, can I be used by God. So I might as well go back to fishing and just kind of hide himself with his other colleagues out there fishing in the boat. Well, John 21 says that Jesus goes to them. It's early in the morning. 
He knows where they are. And what's so cool about Jesus, I don't know how far you hide or you can row your boat as far as you want, but Jesus knows your heart. And he knew Peter's heart. And he comes looking for Peter. So Peter's out there fishing, and Jesus starts his fire because he's going to host this little breakfast. And he cries out to the, hey, guys, you catch any fish? Well, there's like, who, who is that guy? Right? I'm not sure. And they're like, yeah. And he says, well, throw your nets on the other side. Well, as soon as he said that, it dawns on them, that is the Lord Jesus. In fact, three years ago, that's how Jesus introduced himself to them. They didn't know Jesus at all, but Jesus said, hey, you fishermen, why don't you throw your nets on the other side? And they're like, you're crazy. They did it, and it just had this mammoth welling of fish that came to their life, and they became dedicated followers of Christ. And, and now when he said, throw your nets on the other side, they're like, that's got to be the Lord Jesus and man, they were so excited. And John's account says that they were getting the boat back to the shore. And here's the fire, and there's Jesus. And then Peter, he's so excited, man. He hadn't seen him for days, and he's alive. And he jumps out of the boat and wraps his coat, and he's just watering through all that water. And he gets up to the shore. Now, right there in the Gospel of John, there, there really isn't a lot of detailed account. In fact, it goes right into the next verse where it says, When they have finished eating... So apparently, Jesus, they, they gathered the fish. They had this little breakfast. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Now, I speculate that Jesus just didn't ask this confronting question in front of all his buddies, right? That's kind of awkward. I would suspect that Jesus said, hey, Peter, after, after breakfast, let's, let's go for a walk on the shore. Come with me. Maybe, he's, I don't know. 50 yards away or something. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Turning back. We don't know specifically what he was referring to. Maybe it was his friends. Am I, the Lord Jesus, going to be more important to all your buddies and your friends? I, I need to know. Uh, maybe he was referring to his boat and his equipment. It's very important. Do you love me more, more than what you own in your, your former occupation. And he replies back to the Lord, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Now, account goes on that Jesus asked the same question three times. Do you love me, Peter? What is Jesus doing here? He's digging. He's digging. Where, where are you with all this? In fact, it harkens back to Jesus denied him, or Peter denied him three times. And so he's asking him three times, do you love me? And every time he's asking that, he's ratcheting up the level of conviction and dedication. In fact, uh, in, the, in the English vocabulary, we only have one word for love, and it can be very vague and mean a lot of things. But in other languages, like the Greek, there's, there's different levels and verbiage for love. And so the last time he asks him, he says, Peter, do you love me? He uses this word agape which means an unconditional, all-in love. Peter, do you agape me? And now the scriptures tell us that Peter is hurt because he's asked him this level. And he says to him, responds, Lord, you know all things. In other words, you know my heart. You know where I'm at. You know that I agape you. I am so sorry I blew it been churning and wrestling with this guilt and, and, and just, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. And what happened right there? What's going on? Jesus, in that conversation, in the confrontation, he is reconciling Peter to himself. Yes, he has to own it. He has to confess it. You know my heart. And right there, Jesus forgives him. We're right. 
You're, you're good. And not only that, he reinstates Peter. Man, I, I know you, you screwed up, man. That, that, that wasn't good. That, that hurt me. But I'm going to reinstate you. Feed my sheep. In other words, get back in the game. Get on mission. You are valuable. I'm not throwing you away. I'm not crushing you. I can use you. You got plans. I got plans for you. Now, my friends, maybe we can relate to that. Have you ever failed God? Have you ever been embarrassed because you hurt someone? You just, I don't know, your stupidity, ignorance, pridefulness, did you hurt someone, hurt God? Now, some of you know, you know, I've been uh, traveling with Jesus a pretty long time. Uh, I've been a dedicated follower of Christ a long time, even had this preacher title on me, right? But I have to admit that there have been times where, where I veered off, right? I just got selfish. I just got distracted, whatever. And the next thing you know is, is that I'm doing things, thinking things that are not godly. And God brings it to my attention. Jim, you're, you're blown it. You're, you're not right with me. Mm. I have to admit there's some times where, where my pridefulness, I don't know, immaturity, ignorance, whatever, said stuff to, to, that might have harmed people, hurt people. And, and so now there's this awkwardness. And what, what do you do about that? Uh, maybe you've never hurt anybody in your life or said anything stupid, right? Piped off, flipped something, you know. And now you're like, whoa, whoa, that wasn't cool, right? You've got to live with that, right? Or maybe you've done some things later, sooner, whatever, and you're like, wow, God's probably not proud of that. And you're living with that pressure underneath the surface. So what do we do with it? How, how do we deal with it? See, here's, here's the story that we can either stay entrapped and just kind of manage that guilt underneath the surface, or we can seek freedom. Well, Christ wants freedom in your life. And God has a bridge of freedom for you, I would call it. See, Christ so loves you that he has this Holy Spirit, his spirit that's moving around us. And the, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit will convict us of what we're doing wrong, of, of sin. And it'll touch us and impress on our soul and our spirit. Hey, that, 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 that offended God. Uh, that was wrong. That, that hurt someone, right? And, and before you know it, he, he is asking us to uh, identify that. It's kind of like driving a car and uh, the, um, a warning light comes on the dash. And you're like, whoa, that's interesting. Something might not be right. But hey, the car's running. It's not breaking down. So let's just continue in life. And most people are running through their life with, with warning lights on their dash. But because of their pridefulness, I can deal with this. I don't have to worry about that, right? They're just driving their life around, and God's like, hello, right? Now, God offers a, a time that we can, we can get off the, the road of guilt. It's kind of like what he did with Peter. He, he confronted Peter and said, man, we, we need to talk, okay? Where are you at here? Do you, do you love me? I, I just need to know. That's, that's what God's heart does. He wants us to know if we can get off, if we want to get off the road of guilt and self, right, and get on his new road, and that is the road of freedom and Christ-likeness. And to do that, it's kind of like a highway, if you will, that, that he says, man, there's an exit ramp on this highway of guilt. You have a chance to pull over, and if you're willing to pull over, get off that ramp, there's a bridge up there, the bridge of freedom, but you're going to have to take some left turns to go the other way, and that road is the road of freedom. That is the road with Christ. What are you going to do? 
So hopefully we put on our blinker and said, man, I got to think about this. And we start getting off the, the ramp. I would call that maybe the, the off ramp of, of conviction, right? We know something is wrong and we get at the top of that off ramp. There's the bridge. And if we want to, we can turn a left over that bridge. And that decision is called confession. That confession is a key part of redemption and changing our life. And confession is very therapeutic. It's very important. In fact, the Catholics have used this for years, right? They'd have confessional, and you'd go into this little box, and there would be a priest, and my son, my daughter, is there anything you want to confess? And you're like, well, and, and man, it feels so good to unload it. Yes, it does. It's, it's the right thing to do. In fact, one of the things that I, I follow a little bit is the, the Alcohol Anonymous uh, 12 Steps. It's very uh, freeing uh, and can de- has delivered millions of people, right? And one of the steps in that AA is that you got to own, you have to confess that you are an alcoholic, that you, and, and if, until you own that and confess, I got problems, right? I need some help. You can't really move forward to freedom unless you own it and confess. Let, let's just be honest. And, and God is the same way. In fact, there's a powerful promise in 1 John 1, 19. It says, if we confess our sins, then God's going to do something. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. But it starts with a left turn going over that bridge. I don't want to go this way. I'm going to go with God's freedom. I need to confess. Now, halfway over that bridge, there is the second component, and that is repentance. To repentance. Now, repentance means to turn the other way, to turn around. Uh, you know, some people can confess, yeah, I did that, probably wrong, but they really don't want to change. And true repentance means that there is a sorrowfulness in our heart, that, man, we're embarrassed, we're wrong about that. We repent of that. Um, some of you have been in the churches that have altars up front. I know our church is part of a movement called the Church of the Nazarene, and, and we're over 100 years old. And a lot of Nazarene churches will have uh, altars, right, or benches. Um, we don't have them here. We just didn't have the space for them. But, and we used to call people forward and say, man, if you repent of your sins, why don't you come and kneel right here? And it was a physical way to just show God how broken you were and how uh, sincere you were, and there's repentance. And a lot of times we, we found that, that people at the altars, man, they start crying because they really just came to the end of themselves and it's so embarrassed of the ugliness of sin that they're, they're crying. In fact, the old timers would call these altars mourning benches. Why do you call them mourning benches? Because they're mourning their sin. They're so repentant and, and sorrowful that they're, they're crying. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been so torn up that you offended other people, offended God, that God gets to your emotions and you have to repent of that? That's a key component of the Christian uh, theology. In fact, uh, Peter later on, he would preach in Acts. He would say, uh, he replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? Forgiveness of your sins. Before we are forgiven, we have to confess We have to repent of our sins. And you notice that uh, Peter said, hey, and be baptized. Today you saw the the baptismal out front there, and we're going to have a a baptism uh, because it's such a 
public physical symbol of what God did inwardly. For example, um, the kind of water represents God's blood that can wash us, that we are dirty because of our sins. But when we go into, if you will, the bath or the water, and we like to dunk, right? We come out cleansed because of God's washing, the purification of our sins. We are a new creation in Christ. The third component of going across that bridge and to get on the new highway of freedom and Christ-like is to receive his forgiveness. See, the first two things, confession and repentance, are your responsibility, my responsibility. But receive his forgiveness is God's responsibility. This is God's part. This is what Christ did on the cross. He took our sins and paid a high price, and his blood was spilt on that cross. That's why a lot of churches have crosses on the top or in the back, whatever, because that is so key. He's the only one to forgive our sins, no matter how good intentional we are or how generous or or loving people we are. We can't save ourselves. It takes only Christ, and his, his blood atones, that means covers, our sins. This is where his grace is bestowed on his, his amazing grace. John Newton, who wrote that, that uh, favorite hymn, Amazing Grace, said, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And John was repentant of how wretched he was. He was so far from God, and yet his amazing grace was willing to restore him, just like Christ did with Peter. I was lost, but now I am found, right? It's amazing grace. Paul tried to share this with the church of Ephesus when he said, in him we have redemption through his blood. It's that cross thing. For what? The forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the richness of God's grace. It's only what God can do. And what's so cool about this grace is that when he bestows and covers our our sins, something happens. The, the, the Bible says in Psalms 103 that he separates our sins from the east and from the west. He, it's gone. Uh, Micah 7 says he takes our sins and throws them into the bottom of the ocean. It's so deep and far, he, he forgets about them. He, he, it's gone. I, I appreciate Paul's writing in Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has what set us free from the law of sin and death. Can I submit this to you that a lot of times, even Christians, we are not set free because we are always playing this track that somehow we are guilty. Christ said, man, I went all the way to the cross for you, not for you to live in drudgery and guilt and in bondage and enslavement. It is because of my blood that you can claim that you are now alive in me. There's no more condemnation. Don't walk around with a ball and chain. It's one of the tricks of the devil. The tricks of the devil is, is that maybe let's say two years ago or last year, you say, man, I said yes to Jesus. I claimed I want to be Christ, right? And, and we're thinking about that sin we did three years ago. We're thinking about that stupid mistake or we hurt somebody 10 years ago or whatever. And, and, and we're always under condemnation instead of God's like, man, I, f- I forgot about your sins. You're, you're my child. Don't live in that enslavement. And so when we cross that bridge of freedom, we take another left. And that's the on-ramp into the highway of freedom in Christ. See, here's the deal. If you had one thing to take home today, here would be the statement. Guilt keeps us enslaved. 
Forgiveness leads to freedom. Guilt can keep us enslaved. Yes, we can manage life. But underneath, there's still that distance from God. We're not right with God. We've hurt people. Or we can receive forgiveness that leads to freedom. See, this is the heart of God. And Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He doesn't want Christians and anybody be, be a guilty of sin. You can be forgiven, but it takes confession, owning it, being honest. It takes a sorrowful heart of repentance. And, and it takes God's grace to reach the blood to atone for you. And then you've got to decide, I'm going on the on-ramp. I'm starting a new life. I'm going forward. We're excited about uh, a young lady who decided to get off the old uh, road of, of guilt and shame. Destiny Cooper's being baptized this morning, and she had a tough life growing up. And there's all these things that are playing in her mind. She's trying to manage life on her own. Doesn't mean that she hated God or she, she was an atheist. Not at all. She believed in God, but she's still trying to grapple it. And finally, she says, I'm done with this. God's speaking to her life, says, I want you to give you a new life, but you got to get off the off-ramp, right? And she bravely got off the off-ramp. She says, man, I, I know I need a change. i got to change my life. i got to change with God. She confessed. She repented. She received God's grace, and she d- d- hit the blinker on the left and said, man, I'm going with God now no matter what. And she's like, man, that means I need to share to the world and share with myself that I'm in with God. I'm in water baptism, a new life in Christ Jesus. And we we'll look forward uh, to baptizing her <clears throat> a couple minutes after the service. Well, spiritually, this can happen, but it also relates to hurting others. The same bridge, the same concept. Maybe there are some skeletons in the closet that we just maybe hurt some people, said some things, maybe it was family members, maybe it was kids, I, I don't know, friends, associates, that it's still dealing with it. Well, we can have some deliverance there. First, we have to confess it. Yes, I, I, I was wrong. In fact, back to the alcohol anonymous, it says, um, step eight says, continue to take personal inventory of when we wronged something and promptly admit it. Again, maybe your addictions, maybe your pride uh, have hurt people. Second, make direct amends to such people whenever possible. So they would persuade that if you want to continue the 12 steps deliverance, you got to go to someone and you got to make amends. My addiction, my selfishness, I'm so sorry I hurt you. They know that that leads to freedom. It's the same way in Christ. Jesus was almost teaching the same thing. In fact, the AA really was spun out of Christian principles. When he said, like in Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, be kind when you, when you do this. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. Okay, man, you, you've sinned against me. Or you're sinning. He says, go to them privately. Hey, we need to have a conversation. And I noticed that, or I felt hurt by you. Uh, the, the same thing happened when we reverse it. Maybe they had the, maybe um, the, 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 they were hurt by you, and you have to go to them privately and say, "Excuse me, um, you know, a couple of years ago, or last year, or many years ago, I was a real jerk." And you might not know this or not, but probably what I said to you or acted to you um, was not Christ-like, and I've been carrying that. I've been embarrassed with it. I'm. Would you forgive me, please? Would you forgive me? Now, reconciliation, forgiveness is not guaranteed. Uh, sometimes they don't receive it at all, as, as Jesus said. 
Uh, sometimes they're not even around anymore to even have that personal conversation. But if they are, one of the steps that Christ might be asking you is to go to someone. Maybe it's a matter of just writing a letter or a note and mailing it to them. Say, I'm, I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry that I hurt you. I just got to own it. Would you forgive me? Because see, either guilt keeps us enslaved or forgiveness is going to lead us to freedom. Just like Peter and Judas, both these men screwed up. Both these men failed God. They, they failed their friend Jesus. And, and now they're grappling with this pressure underneath of this guilt and shame. You know, what's interesting is that both Judas and Peter both confessed and repented. In fact, if you look at Judas' account, he said he was very sorry for what he had done. In fact, he repented and he took the money back to the Pharisees and threw the money back and said, I don't want any more. And he said, quote, I have sinned. I've handed over to you an innocent man to be killed. I, I repent. I'm, I'm so sorry, right? But instead of seeking forgiveness from Christ, he let that unaddressed guilt turn into some major baggage and shame. Eventually, he would take his life. Rather, Peter, man, he had baggage and guilt also. Luckily, he has an audience with Jesus. Jesus confronts him about his baggage and his guilt. And he says to Jesus, you know all things, God. You know my heart. And in that heart, I'm repentant. I'm sorry. And I supremely love you. And Jesus says, yes, I know that. Now feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. One was enslaved and did not find freedom and eventually killed himself. The other found freedom and God reused his life to impact the world. So the question today, whether you're watching online or watching this later or here today, where are you? Are you enslaved or are you free? See, God's heart wants you to live free. He, he doesn't want you to be dragging around trying to suppress and hide this guilt and justify and rationalize it, all this kind of stuff, right? He wants you to have a, a joyful uh, heart full of his love and, and purity in your heart. In fact, Paul wrote in Romans 8 again, reminding these Christians, hey, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Oh, man, I'm, I'm probably not right with God, and he's not happy with me, and I should have done this. Right? No, that's not the spirit. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. I love you. I died for you. You're one of my kids or, or daughtership. And by that, we, we cry, Abba, Father. That's an intimate term. Man, that we have this intimate personal relationship. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We can own that. That can be our identity. That, that can bring us peace and joy because he wants us not to be enslaved to guilt and fear anymore, but a spirit of his sonship and daughtership. Can you imagine living free? Can you imagine not trying to hide our guilt and shame? And man, I mean, sometimes when we realize the amazing grace, the next thing you know, we want to sing about it. Sometimes we, we get a little freaky, you know, and we're just like, woohoo, right? Praise God, right? Because we're like, hey, I don't have that under thing carrying around, right? I am free in Christ. Next thing you know, you got a smile on your face. Next thing you know, you're just like, man, how can I help other people and bless other people? I love him and he loves me. 
Well, Jim, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. Pastor Guy. But a lot of times, man, I can't keep my mouth under control. Next thing you know, my emotions, I do bad things. And what if, what if we sin again? Even if we say yes to Christ and go, well, God's grace is still there. God does want you to fix your, his eyes on him. You, you just can't play around and say, well, please forgive me, but I'm not going to make any changes in my life. Yes, you need to make some changes in your life. You need to start practicing some of these life-giving biblical principles. Okay, let's, let's talk to God like in prayer. Let's read his word. Let's find some Bible promises. There's some scriptures that feed our mind and brain on what the truth is, right? Let's get around some other healthy Christians, right? Are on the same highway we are, right? Uh, maybe let's get involved to serve and to help, not be just consumed with me and, and my family, right? And if we blow it, God's willing to do the same thing. It's kind of like going traveling in your car from here to, let's say, Fargo, right? We're going to go up to Fargo, right? You get in your car. Let's say you get by St. Cloud, and all of a sudden, something's wrong with your car, and, and you got a flat tire. Oh, what are you going to do about that? Well, you, you better pull over. Or maybe you weren't paying attention, and you got off to the, the side of the road and banged up your car or something. Well, God said, let's stop the car. Okay, let's take a moment and confess it. Let's, let's address it, right? Repent of that. And so, you know, a flat tire, you, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to get down there. And you got a new tire on there. Now, God doesn't say, well, you big jerk. You screwed up. You got to go back to Minneapolis, start all over. No, he says, no. Get cleaned up. Own it. Confess it. Repent of it. Grab a hold of me, just like he did with Peter. And keep going on in your journey. And, you know, it, it, every time that happens, we might learn the next time. You know, probably I don't need to go there on the weekends. That usually, you know, gets me in trouble with God, right? Or maybe these people, they get me in trouble with God. And before we know it, we're not breaking down and sinning all the time, that we can have some victory, we can have some power, right? Not to mention that the Holy Spirit can invade our life in such a way that we get consumed with God's love, that we're not so consumed with our self-majority, but God. And before we know it, we're, we're not sinning all the time. But if we do, the Bible's promises are true. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Even if it's the, the hundredth time somewhere, we got to own it. But he will help us get stronger and stronger in our life. So... What do you think God is speaking to you after hearing this? Is there some things in your past, maybe some relationships that he's convicting you of, that they're an ugliness that you said or did, and maybe he's asking you to take courage and just address that. Maybe it's a matter of just writing a note, maybe a phone call, a text someplace, and say, hey, man, I just want you to know that <clears throat> I really uh, screwed up that time. I should have never done that. If I've hurt you, I probably have hurt you. Would you please forgive me? I, I apologize for that. Maybe it's like, you know what? I, I, I need to take the next step of water baptism uh, just to get serious about my, my journey with Christ. Some of you here need to be reminded that there is now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. So you got to ask yourself, are you in Christ Jesus? Were you sincere? Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to live for you. And then the Bible is true that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And this false guilt of the devil trying to trip us up and play with our minds and say, well, you're not really saved. Right. And, and so you, you had a bad thing and you shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't get more money and you didn't care about that poor person. You're, you're not really a Christian. No, you, you go to the, the scripture and say, no, I, 
I, I, there's no condemnation. That's not my opinion. That's God's opinion. I'm going to live free in his holiness and what he did on the, the cross. Some of you are realizing maybe I do have unaddressed guilt. I do have some under-the-surface pressure or baggage. And God might be speaking to you. Maybe you're watching this later this week or this morning. God's speaking to you. Well, I want to offer you one of the greatest gifts that God, like he did with Peter, can, can address it right now. And we can be free. We can be reinstated and turn our life from the highway of guilt into the, the highway of freedom. Would you just give God and yourself a moment this morning? I'm going to ask us to kind of close our eyes and pause. Uh, rarely do we close our eyes and bow our heads because we're so busy and just trying to uh, keep the clutter of life that we don't hear God's voice. So would you just be willing to just slow down, close your eyes, and center in? Because God has been pursuing you. God has wanted me to share this message with you, to, to, to maybe grab your attention. And God, God is like, do you see the, the, the warning light in your heart? And there's an off-ramp just in front of you. But it's had to be your choice to turn the other way. And today, you can do this by faith, by a prayer. This morning, I'm going to ask you just to repeat in your spirit kind of the prayer that I'm saying here. So let's begin. Father, you know my heart. You, you know my life. You know exactly, God, where, where I didn't measure up and I, I sinned against you. Maybe what I thought, what I did, didn't do, well, you, you, you know that. And Father, you know that relationship that I, I offended somebody. I've been carrying that. You, we know it's private. You know that. And today, I want to confess it. I want to just be honest with myself. Man, I, I wronged you, and, and I confess it. And Father, I repent. I'm sorry. I know I'm wrong, and I want to turn. I want to turn into the, the highway of freedom to live with you and you be my guide, you be my, my leader in my life and I need to get on that bridge of freedom by confessing and repenting. I do that today. And Father, I come at the foot of the cross. May your blood reign over me to cover my sins. I confess it. I receive your amazing grace today by faith, not by my works, but my sincere heart, receiving your love. Someone needs God's love today. You've just been feeling so like a, like a jerk and condemned, wrong. And right now, God wants to separate your sins, purify you, cleanse you from all the things that be new and alive in Christ. And now, now Lord, I turn on my blinker to go left down the on-ramp. I know it might be tough, I got to change some practices. I got to institute some new habits in my life, but I know you're going to be with us. And even if I mess up down the road, your grace will be available for me. So I choose to follow you. I choose to say yes to you. And while we're in this moment, there might be a tear in your eye because God, the love of God is finally getting to your soul. You put up these barriers 
He didn't go to the cross for nothing. He went to the cross for you. And today, right now, you say yes to Jesus. Maybe you need to be reinstated. You've been a follower in Christ, but you've, you've veered off. Just like Peter, God says, I love you. I'm not throwing you away. Get back in the game. Feed my sheep. I want you. I value you. Receive that through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I love the Bible. I love the teachings. Here's big mouth Peter. He denied Christ. He just totally messed up. But Jesus didn't give up on him. He won't give up on you. And Peter later on would be so reinstated and so empowered by the Holy Spirit that he'd become this dynamic preacher. And eventually he'd be leading over the, the, the entire Christian um, churches, right? That was his story and it could be your story because he believes in you. So I'd like to, to close up uh, before we go. Uh, why don't we stand? <clears throat> and I think it would be good for all of us out loud to say this promise and this truth together. So let's stand. And let's use our voices and claim this promise today, this truth. Ready? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life and has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen and amen.